0: The following is a hoop ball presentation. Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. Greetings and salutations on this lovely Tuesday, the twelfth, one week from the start of the NBA season we're closing in folks can't even believe it can't even believe it i can i guess i can actually that's dumb i shouldn't say i can't believe it i very much do believe it this this offseason has been has been short and confusing and there's been a pretty good amount of player movement but we're hanging in there Drafts are happening, I'm trying my hand at pro leagues and so on and so forth. No guests today on the pod. For the first time in a really long while, you're stuck with just your old pal Dan. And this is Fantasy NBA Today, a HoopBall presentation. Hoop-Ball.com, the website, at Fantasy on Twitter. And I am Dan Bespris. Also that, my Twitter handle, the same, at Dan Bespris. Or just Google Dan from HoopBall. Come join me on this the social media, won't you? I promise I'm going to be answering a ton of questions this year. Tweet storms heavily coming back to Twitter. It's going to be a wing ding. Today on the podcast, I promised you we'd go over some of the results from a Yahoo Pro League mock draft, which this is actually really interesting uh, to me, and I hope it is to you as well, because a lot of times the mock drafts that I go over on this podcast are expert mocks, or mocks with hoopball people, meaning hoopball staff, fellow analysts, mocks with hoopball readers, like you guys, listeners, they are not particularly indicative of what a real-world mock or a real-world actual draft might be. So this draft that I'm about to talk about was just with regular people. I didn't have a team name that would identify me in any way. My team name is Public One. Could it? <laughs> I just, I wanted to hide who I was at all costs. I don't know that any of these people know who I am. I'm not a particularly famous individual, but you know, I have a podcast and you guys know me. And so there are these moments where I'm like, am I niche famous? Could someone find me? And then. Talking to uh, Josh Millman last week, he was like, oh, yeah, I remember I used to jump into mock drafts and I'd see Adrian Benjamins and other hoop ball people. I'm like, okay, so there are people out there and I might know them and they might know me. And then I jumped into this, mo- this real draft. Sorry, this isn't a mock. This is a real draft result. And I set myself up for whatever might happen. And, you know, wouldn't you believe it? Guys really did go generally... Where their ADP said they would go. And I was flabbergasted because every draft I've done, every mock I've watched, every expert league I've been in, weird things happen constantly. Guys are not going anywhere near their ADP. Sometimes there are dudes that I think should be going way farther down the board. And there's all it takes is like one analyst to think this is my guy. And poof, off they go, 25 slots too early. But in the real world, apparently, I mean, heaven. <laughs> God forbid I trust the numbers on something here. The ADPs that Yahoo's putting out are relatively accurate. I will also note that Yahoo's draft room, you guys all know this, but it is interesting, does sort by what they call X rank, which is Yahoo's pre-ranks. And I would say every one to two days, it's worth looking at Yahoo's preseason rank board, the X rank, to see where they're shifting guys because that actually steers drafts more than any other factor. And if they move a player, like Chris Paul got moved up the board a bunch for I don't know what reason, but suddenly he's 26th on Yahoo's pre-rank after being in the 30s forever, he's going to start going earlier now. Not that like that's something we're targeting. That was just something that popped up when I was in a draft over the weekend and I saw, oh, look at that. Chris Paul, like he's at the top of the board already, and... I don't know how he got there. Zion is being moved down the board. That's going to start to steer him. LeBron James is being moved down the board. Kyrie Irving, obviously, being moved down the board. We'll talk about him in just a moment. But this, I I was flabbergasted. I mean, I basically got everybody I wanted to in this draft, and that's never happened for me before. Or at least not since I started uh, a podcast where thousands of you are listening to it, and then join me in leagues when I say I have a league opening (laughs) I never get the guys I'm looking at it was wonderful so I would recommend and and this is my opener on today's show it's not breaking down a particular player it's breaking down the leagues we play in if you guys want what I believe to be a a reasonable challenge I'm sure this league is not going to be a a total cakewalk but you know if, if you're in a league with your friends that's always a fun one if you're in a league with randos from all from hoop ball, that's going to probably be the hardest league you're in. And if you're looking for something that's a little more intermediate, it seems like this could potentially be that path. So not a promo or anything. I just, uh, it, this was interesting and I, I thought it was fun. We're going to uh, dive into the fantasy stuff here on the Kyrie Irving front, and then we'll start breaking down the results from that real draft. Again, you can follow me on Twitter at Dan Bespris. I would ask you to please do so because I'm hoping that you guys will hit me up we are recruiting here at Ball. We need full-season fantasy writers. We need team coverage. We need DFS folks as well. That is at Dan Vespers on Twitter or email teamhoopball at hoop I hope you guys found that somewhat interesting. I know, again, it wasn't like, oh, Dan's not talking about Steph Curry at the front end of today's show, but I feel like this is useful information that a lot of people should want. Maybe I'm wrong. If you skipped it, you skipped it. I don't care. Kyrie Irving is the news of the day, undeniably the news of the day. Kyrie Irving is now officially unwelcome. I'm going to choose my words carefully here at Brooklyn Nets stuff until he gets vaccinated. This is a very difficult topic to talk about without creating any enemies while recording a podcast because people do not understand the gray areas of life but suffice it to say that from a fantasy standpoint this is not good in the short term in the long term it's actually wonderful and i'll tell you why because we're going to get a conclusion on this one way or another we were stuck in this in between this weird in between Where Kyrie Irving seemed like he might be able to play in 39 out of Brooklyn's 82 ballgames. And in head-to-head leagues, that's an undraftable thing. But in roto leagues with a games cap, and I actually did it in one. Which, by the way, I don't feel that bad about because it's a keeper league. But that's not even the point of the podcast. In a roto league with a games cap, there's a pretty reasonable argument to be made. That you could take him like around 60. And if he played in about half their games, roughly, it would have to be a little bit less than that. That would have made a lot of sense because he's a big I can push the ball forward kind of dude. That's a first rounder playing half the basketball games. You don't need everybody to play all 82 games with a games cap and a bench. Well, now we're going to get one or the other. Either Kyrie gets vaccinated at some point and then can just participate. And he's, you know, typical Kyrie after that, meaning there are going to be some weird missed games all blended in but you know maximum number of games played is however many games the team has left or the alternate is he just doesn't and that's it and then there's no point in drafting him and that's kind of where we are right now which is by the way another reason to have your draft really close to the start of the season not that Kyrie like you're not going to spend a first or second rounder on him with all the stuff that's been swirling but Indecision, indecision, uh, unknown, confusion, this is bad. That's bad for fantasy, it's bad for your draft, it's bad for your fantasy team. That's why I don't want, I mean, one of the reasons, many reasons, I don't want you to start your season with injured players. Unknown. The unknown is is terrifying and in some cases you can argue the unknown might be fun but the unknown for injured players is well we don't really know when they're coming back and if they're going to be healthy with Kyrie there was how many games is he even going to get to play is he going to be welcome Ben Simmons who now is magically back with the 76ers also an interesting piece of news for today that somehow is getting overshadowed by the Kyrie Irving news all of those things were really big unknowns two days ago if you had your draft two days ago I don't know what you did with Ben Simmons. He probably didn't get drafted. Kyrie Irving probably didn't get drafted, or maybe he got drafted in the mid-rounds. If you had your draft today, Kyrie doesn't get drafted, and Ben Simmons now gets drafted in the mid-rounds. I mean, it's things are changing so much right now. And I've said before on the podcast, you either need to draft obscenely early because then the board is all a jumbled mess and you'll get so many values that if you get womped with a bad luck thing, like, oh, I drafted Kyrie. Uh, I mean, that's a really bad luck thing. But if you got like, I drafted Ben Simmons in the sixth round and then I found out he was going to hold out. Yeah, that's really bad. And then a normal situation that would put a pretty big hole into your, your, your draft But if you drafted super early, you were probably able to get some crazy values that would kind of cover up the loss of one key player. Drafting late, you're not going to get those values, or at least they're not going to be as big, but you're also not going to end up with a player who just magically isn't there. I'm getting sidetracked again. The point of all of this is right now, Kyrie Irving is unable to participate in anything with Brooklyn Nets, and he is currently undraftable. Ben Simmons appears to be ready now to, I don't know, reconcile, if you can even call it that, with the 76ers. I don't know how they still don't end up moving him. Like, the, the the well is poisoned, it seems like, at this point, with the amount of stuff that has been said about one another. But he's, he's playing now, so I guess you take him where you take him. I'm just... I don't want anything to do with it anyway. All right, let's talk about the front end of this uh, public draft. We'll see how far we get on today's podcast. And uh, everybody loves talking about the first and second round, even though that's probably not the most important part of this thing. First round, Nikola Jokic, Steph Curry, Giannis Antetokounmpo, James Harden, Luka Doncic, Jason Tatum, Damian Lillard, Carl Anthony Towns, Joel Embiid, Kevin Durant, Nikola Vucevic, and Paul George. I was watching this draft like a hawk. By the way, I had the first pick, so I went Jokic. I know I've made a case for Steph. I almost went Steph, but I thought, yeah, you know what, Roto League, I'll just I'll go with the guy who's basically good at everything. Yeah, he's not going to single-handedly win me any one individual category, but he's going to make me very good in almost all of them. When I saw Giannis go three, I thought, okay, this is a team I need to watch out for on the punting front. When I saw Luka go five, I thought, okay, this is a team I should also watch on the punting front. Maybe more for turnovers or uh, potentially free throws. And then Tatum at six, Dame at seven, Cat at eight. As the first round was going, I started to think, okay, like this is going to be... This is really interesting, because Tatum went earlier than I expected. Cat went a little bit later, I guess, than I expected. Durant at 10 was later than I expected. Vooch at 11 was earlier than expected. That one crept up on it. Paul George at 12, that one made a lot of sense. So at the end of round one, by the way, I'm not going to break down where all the players went, because I don't think that that's actually the most important thing here. I'm going to make mention of it, but I want to talk about this sort of a round-by-round situation. We're going to break this down round-by-round and what we can pull away from how the league is going. Second round, when Anthony Davis, Zach Levine, Bradley Beal, Bam Adebayo, Freddie Van Vliet, Jimmy Butler, Trey Young, Rudy Gobert, LaMelo Ball, Donovan Mitchell, Demonis Sabonis, and Michael Porter Jr. I felt pretty good about having MPJ fall to me at 24. Generally, you don't get a guy that I think is pretty firmly in that second round zone this year. I talked about it a ton. The guys at the end of the second round are basically all third rounders. But I got a little bit lucky. Um, first of all, Zach Levine going at 14 is crazy early. And look, I get it. A lot of people really like Zach Levine this year. And if he's fully healthy, there's a there's a means for him to get somewhere near there. Levine was an early to mid twenties guy last season. Um I don't think he takes a step forward this year, not with DeMar and Vooch there for the entire season. So, if he's going to get to this point, like taking Levina 14, you're basically saying, I want the guy that with durability gets me to this juncture. But per game wise, I don't see how there's any chance he gets up to number 14. That feels like a 0% chance. I don't know. Like, what could he do? That he didn't do last year. He's not magically gonna get 1.3 steals a game. That's not who he is, but that's the only path left. So, nah. But I'd like-I'm not gonna say that I got lucky there, because he's not generally falling into the third round, but you've seen it happen every once in a blue moon. So that one helped me a little bit. Um Gobert, who you guys know I like, but not as the eighth pick of the second round. I'd prefer to take him a little bit later and he has to pair right and this team was sitting on Luka Doncic so they're leaning into the free throw thing so I, you know this is a team that's that's basically saying i'm punting free throws at this point so we need to keep an eye on that or so i thought um that was helpful for me cuz sometimes he falls into the third round LaMelo Ball sometimes falls into third not often Donovan Mitchell often falls into the third and so when he went that basically guaranteed that I was going to get either Sabonis or MPJ, who were the two guys once Jimmy Butler was off the board and once Gobert was off the board, but I probably wasn't going to take Gobert with, with Jokic in the first round anyway. Once those two guys were off, I needed either Sabonis or MPJ to get to me at 24. And Lamelo and Donovan Mitchell going at 21 and 22 meant I was going to get one of my two guys at that spot. So IBJ fell to me at 24. And what I learned in this round is that, again, this is a group of people that are not strictly following the hoop ball rank board. But everybody still seemed pretty on top of things at this point. And I, I still was thinking, okay, like Jimmy Butler, he went in the right place. Bam went relatively early. There's, there's, I don't know. I don't want to say that I was afraid that I had gotten into a, a, a public le- a Yahoo Pro League that was going to be as difficult as a hoop ball league. But at this moment, I was like, okay, these folks seem to know what they're doing. I got a pretty good feel. A couple guys are doing some stuff that's a little whack, but that's that's fine. Like, every draft has that one guy. Okay, so now we get into the third round, and I have the first pick, and you know I'm not super thrilled with this because I wanted it to be Sabonis and Michael Porter Jr., but Demonis was gone. So I looked at my team, Jokic... MPJ, I know Michael Porter not great at assists, but from those two picks, my team is in pretty damn good shape in, I think scoring's going to be all right. Not great, but all right. Uh, Threes are going to be also kind of all right. Not that I need to take care of that immediately. Rebounds are going to be pretty good. Assists are going to be pretty good, because Jokic does that himself, but Porter not very good. So like middling um, steals were not terrific at this point. Blocks were not very good. Percentages were incredible. So I'm looking at my team. I'm like, okay, I got a few different paths I can go here. I can go traditional big in the third and just be done with that to shore up uh, blocks. Okay, but rebounds and field goal percent were kind of already taken care of. I can go scorer to take care of threes and points because those are probably both good but not great. Or I can go. I can double down on efficiency and try to take care of steals, which is going to be a, a, a big problem after my first two guys here. Not good in steals, decent in assists, and shore up some other stuff. By the way, and that's the direction I went building up to this, I took Chris Paul at 25, who, again, I'm not really targeting this year, but he just made a ton of sense in this particular build because now my team is awesome at assists, and actually not that bad at turnovers. Jokic was 3.1 last year, Chris Paul was 2.2. 5.3 assists to two guys that are going to probably average 17, excuse me, 5.3 turnovers to guys that are going to average about 17 assists per game. That takes care of assists and also, you know, most of the teams that are going to be high in in assists are going to be losing turnovers and I don't think I'm going to Now I've got all the time in the world to look at my team build. My team is still very weak in blocks, still not great in Um, three-pointers. Rebounds are a little bit less strong now that I took CP3, who got only four and a half boards a game last year, and scoring is a little bit less strong also. So I'm now looking for a fourth rounder, and I don't know who's going to get back to me in 20-some-odd picks, but I'm looking at a fourth rounder that can block shots and can score and hopefully won't put too much of a dent into my really, really good percentages. Presumably someone like that will also grab a few rebounds. So that's what's on my mind at this point. The other picks from the third round, and I know we're moving through this pretty quick, but that's what I want to do on today's show. Uh, Julius Randle, DeAndre Ayton, Chris Middleton, Devin Booker, Jalen Brown, Shea, LeBron, De'Aaron Fox, Zion, Drew Holiday, and Brandon Ingram. And again, I'm still looking at this draft and thinking nothing completely insane has happened yet. Um, probably earlier than Chris Middleton needed to go. I like Chris. You guys know I've got no problem with Chris, but you don't need to take him at 28. He's falling into the 40s in a lot of drafts. Um, if you believe he's going to be number 28, fine, but to me there's just you know a couple other guys here that may be flexing a little more upside. Um, Darren Fox going towards the end of the third round is a big swing in a nine-category league, so that was a little bit surprising. This is a team that, uh, had taken Joel Embiid and Bam Adebayo, so you knew they were going to target a guard. And, uh, yeah, I mean, that was kind of it for the third round. Nothing nothing too egregious. Things start to get a little bit weirder. Maybe not this fourth round, although we're starting to sniff it a little bit. Uh, for one, the team that took Zion, who, uh, I mean, and this is, again, this is like the team build part of it. That team that took Zion had... Uh, already taken Kevin Durant and Bradley Beal. So this looked like a team that was going to be really good at foul shooting and actually was already pretty good in field goal percent. Zion was pretty redundant for that team. Now this team is awesome in field goal percent, but suddenly they're very much middle to below middle of the pack in free throws to take Williamson there who also doesn't get much in the way of defense. This team now suddenly isn't very good defensively. They're going to score, damn it. Uh, They don't have any traditional centers, so rebounds are fine but not great. Assists are pretty bad. And I think this is where there's this divergence from the ultra, ultra ultra-skilled league to a league of people that sort of fancy themselves pretty good at fantasy basketball but maybe aren't quite to that same threshold. Uh, The team that took LeBron James, for instance had Freddie Van Fleet and Carl anthony Towns. So now LeBron, what is he doing to their free throw percent? And is it worth it? The team that I thought was going into a full punt took Devin Booker in the third round to try to make up for the complete disaster on the free throw front. I, I just, I don't real. I know, it, again, it's Roto, you can't be a complete mess in any one category, but I just started to get this feeling that teams weren't, assessing their Roto needs, and maybe we're almost playing this more like a head-to-head league at times. Anyway, round four. Rashawn Holmes at 37, Clint Capella, Russell Westbrook. This is the team that just took Zion, so all of a sudden they went from a really good foul-shooting team to a complete massive one. And while they can absorb it, Westbrook's field goal percent, now they're—I mean, this is a team that's probably going to win field goal percent, and now what are they? OG OG Ananobi. And now I already know. This is a team that took Darren Fox and then OG. So they're targeting sort of the buzzy guys. Tobias Harris, I was a little upset he didn't make it back to me. I thought he might in this format. Christian Wood, John ja Morant in the middle of the fourth round. No, thank you. Uh, that was a team that had taken Trey. Tatum, Trey, Jalen Brown, now John ja Morant. That's sort of a weird team. CJ McCollum... <laughs> This is the team now that had just taken Devin Booker on top of Gobert and Luka Doncic. I really have no idea what they're building. JJJ, I was pissed. I thought he was the guy I wanted at the end of this round. When you heard me, when you heard me talking about it, you were probably like, oh, Dan's hoping JJJ gets to him. Because I was like, I need some scoring, I need some blocks. And a few rebounds would be nice. JJJ didn't make it. Anthony Edwards, John Collins was another possibility there, although he doesn't take as many three-pointers. And so now all of a sudden to pick 48... There's one guy on the board who fits all the needs of my fantasy team, and he is a terrifying one, but damn it, he's there. I needed scoring, rebounds, threes, and blocks. Who is that guy? Yeah, it's Kristaps. It's Kristaps Porzingis. He was better than people remember last year. Number 21 on a per-game basis with blocks at only 1.4. That's a number that could actually be higher for him. If you sort of look back at what... I mean, does he come? I mean, this is a fully healthy season for him, first one in a while. Not that he's not that we should expect him to block two shots per game necessarily, but you know, over his regular seasons where he's been mostly healthy, New York, three seasons, 1.9, 2.0, 2.4. Dallas, last year, 2.0. This year, coming back from injury, just 1.3. So if he does anything similar to this year, plus a little more blockage. You're talking about a mid-second rounder. I also look at my team, and Chris Paul's a little bit of an injury risk here, but Jokic is not. MPJ is not anymore. I have the Nuggets. I took the Nuggets early. CP3's been really durable lately, but he had wrist surgery, so we'll kind of see how that goes. Still, I felt like my team could handle a few missed games because this guy just addressed the needs so effortlessly. I had the very next pick, of course, starting round five. I went Tyrese Halliburton here uh, because I do think he takes a step forward in scoring. I love his steals. I felt like I still needed some help there. Chris Paul was very good at steals, but I needed one more. I need more threes. I needed, uh, I didn't really need assists, but I wanted to make sure that my guard stayed efficient. And Halliburton is that. So if I can get three pointers from guys who shoot a decent field goal percent. I can I can continue to kind of lock in that category. So he just made a lot of sense from a team need perspective. Like, make shore up all the stuff that I'm already pretty good at. And at this point, it's not that clear what my team isn't good at. Probably not terrific in points. Decent in rebounds, but not the best. I mean, Jokic is awesome, and he's going to handle a lot of that himself with... Uh, 11 boards a night or whatever it was and Kristaps actually was better at that than people thought he he finished last year with about nine rebounds a game so like he wasn't terrible in that regard but I don't know there's going to be a couple teams out there that are a little bit better my team's pretty good at passing with Jokic and CP3 steals are a little weak still blocks have been shored up if not perfect and percentages are still great and turnovers are pretty still pretty good I mean, KP only had 1.2 a game last year. So I went Tyrese, so I, I felt like steals was probably the weakest point and, and threes could use some help, and he made a lot of sense. The rest of round five, DeJounte Murray went at uh, 50. Robert Williams, Mikhail Bridges, Draymond Green, Gordon Hayward, Yusuf Nurkic, Miles Turner, Jonas Valanciunas, Kyrie Irving. So someone took the plunge there. This was before the news. Malcolm Brogdon and Kyle Lowry. And again... Like, none of these is necessarily a bad pick, but everybody's going around their ADP. I could have gone Miles Turner, by the way, in round four. I just, I'm a little worried about him this year, and he doesn't score, like Kristaps did. I felt like I had a chance to take a guy who could get a few more points, even if it means I'm probably going to have to take a shot blocker here in the not-too-distant future. I think round six is... No, I mean this is still not all that unusual. So round six, Darius Garland, Colin Sexton going back to back, Jared Allen, the whole Cavaliers team just off the board at the beginning of the round of round six. That, that's pretty early on all of those guys. Terry Rozier, that's pretty decent. I this I don't know what the hell this team is. Lonzo Ball, Isaiah Stewart, that's really early for him. Siakam, it's early for that dude who's hurt. DeMar DeRozan falling pretty far, that's a good spot. Jakob Purdle, Jeremy Grant, Derek White. Those are fine, I guess. I don't know about the upside on Jeremy Grant. And then I got to the end of round six at picked 72, and I thought, all right, well, it feels like I could use another efficient big who's maybe not a traditional one. I'd love to get a few more three-pointers, but I got to get those shot blocks as well. So I went with a risk here, and Chris Boucher, who averaged 13.5 points and almost seven rebounds a game last year on 51 from the field, 79 at the free-throw line. Also, half a steal and two blocks. That's nice to get out of a big man. Seven rebounds. Okay, I know not everybody's super thrilled about it, but if he does anything close to that, he's a steal at 72. And we just got news this morning, by the way, that Nick Nurse thought he was about 10 days away from playing, which would only put him three days into the season. These guys are just there in this league, and this just never happens. Uh, I started round seven with Rob Covington, and this is maybe arguably my weirdest pick because I, I think I had mostly taken care of blocks At this point, I probably should have looked at someone who might get at me an an assist or two. Uh, Like maybe a Marcus Smart would have been interesting there. I don't like D'Angelo Russell. You guys know that. Uh, Mike Conley wouldn't have been the most insane thing in the world. But I went Rocco just to say, look, I win Roto Leagues by winning defensive stats. My team can shoot great. So whatever Covington's bad free throw field goal percent is not going to be any impact. My team is way too strong there. Um, so let's just shore up the defensive stats, shore up three pointers, and then I'm good there. Plus, he'll get probably five and a half, six rebounds, and that's solid as well. The rest of this round, by the way, this is where things started to turn weird, and I started to watch guys go off the board and think, oh my god, I'm gonna get everybody I want from this point forward. Round seven went Rob Covington, Kevin Porter Jr., that's way early in a nine-cat roto league. D'Angelo Russell, who I don't like. Cade Cunningham, everybody's chasing upside. Levert, who's hurt with a back issue. Kelly Olenek, who I love, but middle of round seven. Ben Simmons, this ends up probably being a pretty good pick now that he's playing again. Bogdan Bogdanovich, I like that one. That's pretty safe. Marcus Smart, this is early for him. Norman Powell's a good one. Brooke Lopez, that's early on him too. I don't know what these teams are doing right now. You don't have to go get Brooke Lopez. He'll be there for you. You don't have to go get Kelly Olinick if you don't want, although I'm not going to fight you on it because, you know, I like him. And then Mike Conley went at 84, which I think is actually a really smart pick. That's probably the guy I should have taken to the beginning of the round just for team needs. Keldon Johnson went at 85, pass in 9-cat Roto, no. Spencer Dinwiddie, who fine, but he has massive issues with his fantasy game. Mitchell Robinson, who's hurt. Nikhil Alexander-Walker, who could be a total disaster in Roto. Buddy Healed, I like this one. Middle of round eight, that's fine. Evan Mobley, worth a shot, I guess. You can keep him on your bench. P.J. Washington, that's a good call. Nerlens Noel, I like that one. Miles Bridges, that's fine. I don't think there's much upside there. Jalen Green, Wendell Carter Jr., and at this point again, I'm staring down a queue that I had made that had like six guys that I was targeting still on it. That I thought, well, oh, maybe if I get if I can get one out of these guys, I'll be happy. So I took Kemba at ninety six. Which, again, games cap Roto, I don't care if he sits 20 games. He's going to be so much better than number 96 on a per-game basis. Yes, this hurts my field goal percent, which was extraordinary and now will probably be more like pretty damn good or maybe even still better than that. Uh, But he addresses some assist needs. Not a ton. He'll probably get like maybe five this year. What do we think there? It's questionable. I mean, he's been... Kind of trending the wrong way. He was about five last year, so maybe call it four and a half in New York. But he's a great foul shooter, three pointers. I, you know, this was stuff that my team needed. Other than the field goal percent knock, and then I started round nine with another flyer, and that was Larry Nance Jr. Who, again, I mean, this is so nice to get him here. I get rebounds. I get decent passing from a big man. I get amazing steals from my big man. Percentages are solid. Not a great foul shooter, but he didn't take any, so that's sort of a doesn't matter at all he was number 79 last year i don't see any reason why he wouldn't be back in that same range with portland i don't need him to shoot my team's probably not going to be that great at points but i did just get kemba which i mean he's probably the best scorer left on the board at this point i'm just i'm elated with my team here that these guys are following me uh round nine harrison barnes i'm actually good with that that's a good pick there he's going to be a solid contributor even if the upside is somewhat limited R.J. Barrett, no. Slow Mo, I like him, but nah. Fournier, no upside, really. I like Fournier, too. He'll be a nice totals guy, I think. Wiggins, that's actually a pretty good pick there. Jalen Suggs, meh. Horford, you guys know I like Horford, and he's a roto-friendly guy. But again, we should be chasing upside here. Mo Bamba, that's a good pick. I like that one. This guy's taking all the buzz names, and this is one. That one's probably going to work out for him. Boyan Bogdanovich, TJ McConnell. That's a good one. Um, although, again, per game wise, we might see some limitations there. Jordan Clarkson. No thanks, man. Like th- people are drafting for totals all of a sudden here in a in a roto league with three bench slots and three injured list slots. I don't need top ninety fives. On my team. I need top 75s. And damn it, I'm going to go find him if I can. Uh, Larry Markinen started round 10. Then Mason Plumley, Duncan Robinson, Ivica Zubots. What are we doing here? Seth Curry, no upside. DeAndre Hunter, that one's fine. Gafford, that's a nice pick. There's some upside there. Breton's, no. Poole, yeah, that's fine. Here until Clay gets back. Sadiq Bey is a decent one. Reggie Jackson's okay. I took Jonathan Isaac at pick 120. I know I say never to take an injured player, but three injured list slots in a Roto Games cap, game, I believe, where it's 82 games. I, I just... Anyway, Jay Sean Tate at 121. I love getting that dude there. At this point, I'm just hunting upside. I'm not worried about my team build anymore. Scotty Barnes, I don't think he's going to do very much. I know everybody's sort of getting caught in the buzz there. Tyler Hero, nah. Roby, nah. Graham, not for Roto. Poku, we're too soon, but I appreciate the upside play. Derek Favors, I don't mind this one. If he gets some minutes, he could put up some e- some interesting numbers. Thad Young, no. Drummond, fill-in work, that's fine. Monty Morris, no. Beasley, without much usage, no. Maxi that was smart two days ago, but now Ben Simmons is back, so oh well. James Wiseman in the 12th, no. I mean, listen to what's happening here. Wiseman, Jamal Murray, okay, fine. Somebody figured out that you can stash players in this particular format. Ingles, no upside. Harris, Joe Harris, no upside. Batum, no upside. Terrence Mann, no upside. Aaron Gordon, no upside. Klay Thompson, that was smart. I was going to take him there if he was still on the board. Patrick Williams, no upside. Steven Adams, no upside. Desmond Bain, no upside. Matisse Theibel fell to me. That's all upside, although Ben Simmons is now back, so that one will probably get punted. Oh, well. Sure seemed smart two days ago, but I don't feel bad about it. And then I stashed TJ Warren with my last pick, 13th round. If he ever gets healthy... He's a top 60 fantasy player that I'm taking at pick 150 in this damn thing. So yeah, I feel good about that. And then everybody else went a little buck wild here. Alpern Shengun, uh, Montres Harrell, Josh Giddy, Kim Birch, Darius, Baisley, Ugh. Precious, Danny Green, Daniel Tice, Bobby Portis, Tim Hardaway Jr., Dylan Brooks. I like I appreciate the guys that went that took some swings there. Giddy's a swing, Shengun's a swing, Harrell's a swing. There's no point in taking a, a plotter in a games cap roto format especially where the cap is only 82 i actually like raising the cap myself to 87 or 90 so you actually need a bench so guys that are healthy matter but if it's just 82 with three injured slots so basically i'm working with a 16 person roster if i want and i only need to get 82 games a piece out of 10 starting slots You guys can do the math there. I don't need very many games out of the bench. Assuming, like, I I drafted a relatively injury-prone team here, so let's assume that my team plays, like, 64 games a season. I still have way more than enough guys there. I'm still only using, like, 13 of my 16 roster slots. So, anyway, and it'll probably be more than that. I, I just was so blown away at how many really interesting players were still on the board like starting in the sixth round and beyond the first 50 to 60 picks are all kind of the same guys just rearranged in most drafts and then things get wild and there were just values on the board at every turn but i will say this with the news of the day um james harden gets a really big push If Kyrie doesn't get vaccinated and Harden is kind of the main guy there, where Kevin Durant, I mean, obviously KD's going to get to do a ton of stuff, but Harden is now, right now, he's their only point guard. Then he's back up there with Jokic and Steph in in sort of a three-way, number one scenario. And so the last thing I'll do here on today's podcast before we wrap things up, and maybe I should have done it at the beginning, is with this news, I'll make a case now for James Harden. Your case for James Harden begins by me reminding you to follow me on Twitter at Dan DanBestPers and to please check out mybookie.ag because tonight is your last chance to get down on that NHL odds boost, which is just so juicy. If anybody scores in the game tonight, your bet pays. And it's not promo bucks. You can place the wager with your real money, deposit your real $25 dollars, Make your real $25 wager on it, and you will end up with a real $50 in your account. No rollover, no promo shenanigans. This is just a bet that's shifted ridiculously far in our favor. I made it the second that my buddy Andre told us about it, and I've been trying to tell you about it ever since then. If you have an account already, just go make the bet. If you don't have an account, make sure when you sign up you use promo code HOOPBALL so at least they know... Who sent you to go take their damn money? I will also remind you all, since I just got every one of you $25, to please, if you have a moment, drop a five-star review on the podcast. I've been working so hard, 31 shows in 31 days this month, trying to go above and beyond to get you guys ready for your fantasy drafts. Please, if you're on a podcast app on your mobile device, search for Fantasy NBA Today. Same thing if you're on iTunes. Click on the show title, and if you're on a mobile, scroll to the bottom... That's where the rate and review stuff is. If you're on iTunes, there should be just a little button that says uh, ratings and reviews or something like that. Means the world to me. Subscribe, rate, review, and I will blow you kisses. I think I can still do that. Here's the case for James Harden. The case for James Harden at number one, which I don't know that I necessarily believe, but I'm going to give it to you anyway. Second half of last season where he was with Brooklyn and generally Kevin Durant was out and Kyrie was kind of here and there, but mostly playing. Harden averaged 25 points, 9 rebounds, 11 assists, 1.3 steals, and 0.8 blocks per game on 47% from the field and 86% at the free throw line. Now, admittedly, his usage, while still high, Bent a little bit more towards passing because of how unbelievably good his main teammate was at that point in Kyrie Irving. Or, if Kevin Durant were to have surfaced in there at some point, KD. He also had a really good three-point shooter nearby in Joe Harris, so that helps as well. Not that he didn't have good three-point shooters in Houston, uh, but Harris is, at least by averages, better than... The guys that were with him on the Rockets by the way it's easy to, to forget how long James Harden has been in the NBA but doesn't matter with the Rockets Harden was generally in the like seven to eight and a half assist per game range but not always in 2016 remember he actually averaged 11 assists per game that year and 28 and a half points per game 29 rather so he, this particular iteration of James is not unheard of. His number of shots per game is lower in Brooklyn than it was in Houston, and that is going to have to stick because Kevin Durant is just better at offense than anybody Harden has played with before, with apologies to whatever stars or non-stars have been on his teams with the Rockets. But does it matter? Because like that year— Harden is so far out in front of everybody that it really wasn't a thing. Historically, he's been very good at getting steals that I think people have overlooked it, and this 1.3 in Brooklyn could actually be higher. Historically, he's actually been a pretty good shot-blocking point guard slash shooting guard, and this year, at .7, .8 with Brooklyn, was not all that far off. His career mark is .5, but lately, he's actually been a bit higher. Last couple of seasons, more in the... Well, Houston last year, not last year, but you know what I mean. The year before he ate himself out of Houston, he was at point nine with the Rockets that year. Year before that, point seven, point six, point seven. So it's been more like point six, point seven, point nine, point eight, as opposed to the point five that it was for like the first six or seven years he was in the NBA. Defensive stats are very good, and could be better if things revert to the mean. Assists are going to be extremely high. Eight and a half rebounds was pretty big. I don't know if that holds. I don't think I can make the case that Harden's going to grab eight and a half rebounds a game again this year, although Brooklyn's not playing huge. Like Lamarcus Aldridge, Blake Griffin, these are probably going to be the centers, and Aldridge, if you go back far enough, was a very good rebounder, but he hasn't been lately, and Blake is not that great of a rebounder lately anymore either. So you're probably going to see KD and Harden take care of plenty of the board stuff. Could James score more than 25 points per game with this team? I don't know. But the 47% field goal is the really critical number. Now that he has legitimate help on a basketball court, and he's not forced to take the toughest shots of the game, that can be Durant, his 44% career shooting could really move up towards 45, 46, or even 47. And all of a sudden now, James Harden, if Steph, say, doesn't score 34 points per game down the stretch, Harden would have actually been the number one guy. Like if Steph was one three-pointer lower, Harden probably was the number one guy the second half of last year. And a lot of that is pretty repeatable. Would I actually take him number one in any of my roto drafts? Probably not. But a head-to-head league? Yeah, I could be convinced. If I'm going to target his stuff, which, by the way, with field goal percent no longer a massive drag, he's suddenly much closer to eight out of nine categories. That's pretty remarkable. Everybody's like, oh, Jokic, she's best at the most categories. Harden was right there with him in the second half of last year. Steph had a big down number in blocks. He made up for that. And he wasn't a good rebounder either. I mean, he was like we talked about he's quite good for a point guard, but not Harden at nine. James Harden was very nearly a nine-cat guy last year, minus turnover, so eight out of nine. Field goal percent became basically neutral. So there's your case. If you want to take James Harden first overall, you freaking have at it. Now, if you think Kyrie does ultimately get vaccinated, then yeah, it's probably not a great idea. That pushes him back down below, for me, Stefan Jokic. And, uh, Jokic. But on today, one week to the start of the NBA season, James Harden has, I think, as much a claim to that top spot as Steph or Jokic or maybe somebody that kind of comes out of the blue. And that's your case for James Harden here on Tuesday, this October the 12th. Thanks for listening, everybody. Hope you enjoy our breakdown of my first non-expert league 9-cat roto draft in basically forever. It was fun for me, too. I got a lot of the guys I wanted. That um, It's weird to come out of a draft and think, well, got him. I'm going to go uh, see how long until Matisse Thibault or until the, the players in the pool clear waivers because probably don't want to hang on to Thibault anymore. But otherwise, got him. I am at Dan Vespers on Twitter. Go to mybookie.ag, get your $25 wager. Rate and review the pod. Check out my buddies at manscaped.com. Promo code there is HoopBall20. Promo code at mybookie is just the word HoopBall. And again, hit me up. If, uh, if you want to come work with us over here, if you've got any questions, we'll take it to the Twitter sphere. I am Dan Bespers for Fantasy NBA Today. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Josh Lloyd on the program tomorrow. That's a fun one to look forward to for you guys. We'll talk to you then.